well hello hello and welcome back beautiful souls to you uplifted the place where open hearts and open minds can come together to talk about and discover new ways in which to heal grow and fully step into their true potential and power My name is Safa. I am your host. I am an intuitive healer as well as a women's health and wellness life coach. And my intention for this show has always been to best serve you by bringing you topics and guests that can help us further explore our true selves so that we can find pure healing and so that we can go so much further in our relationship to self and the world around us. And today's episode is definitely not the exception. I feel truly honored and so overjoyed at having been able to talk to my guest, Melissa Tipton, today. And the conversation went places that I definitely wasn't expecting for it to go. We talked about so much introspective work and the unconscious at play in many different aspects of our lives, as well as magic and manifesting and how we can sometimes even become spiritual bypassers in our own way. And oh gosh, so much more. So I can't wait for you to listen to the actual interview. But before we do that, allow me to tell you a little bit more about my wonderful guest. Melissa Tipton is a structural integrator, Reiki master, and founder of Jungian Magic, which combines ancient esoteric wisdom with Jungian psychology to radically increase the success of your magic. She's the author of Living Reiki, Heal Yourself and Transform Your Life, and Llewellyn's Complete Book of Reiki. She's a beautiful soul and just, oh, well, why don't I just let you find out for yourself how wonderful she truly is. Without further ado, here is the one and only Melissa. Welcome, Melissa. How are you doing today? I am great. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be here. Oh my gosh, me too. Thank you so much for coming (laughs) on the show. I Okay, so just to give the listeners a little bit of behind the scenes before I I properly let you introduce yourself. So I was actually listening to one of my favorite podcasts and I happened to hear you that day and you were talking about um, using Jungian psychology in a way that I'd never even imagined before. Mm, and I was mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I absolutely have <laughs> to talk to her. So I reached out and gratefully you agreed to come on. So I'm so happy and honored and I cannot wait to dive into the subject. So before we do that though, why don't we do this and let you introduce yourself to the listeners. Just give us a little story about like who you are, what you do and kind of how you got there. Yeah, great. So my name is Melissa Tipton and I'm the founder of Real Magic Mystery School. And kind of my whole focus is blending Jungian psychology with magic, Um, very heavily influenced by witchcraft and ceremonial magic in particular. But the whole point in doing all of this for me is finding ways to radically increase the success rate of my magic. Um, And just over the years, finding how well Jungian psychology helped me do that, I got really excited about it. I started uh, just deeply reading into Jung's collected works, which are pretty vast, so I could probably be working on that for an entire lifetime. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but there's just so much good material in there that really helps me understand, um, I guess, at least one perspective of how magic works and by extension, then how we can make it work better. I love that. Mm -hmm. And it's so interesting because really what it comes down to is the fact that we are the creators, right? We are the ones mm -hmm. who infuse our worlds and our realities with all of this we have inside us. So is it any wonder that our conscious and subconscious have such a big role to play in the creation of those things, especially with a topic like magic, right? But yes. I'm sure, yeah, and, I, and I'm dying to do a full episode specifically just on magic. And so mm. I'm getting there. I promise the listeners I'm getting there. <laughs> just one thing at a time. But let's have a little bit of a discussion here about magic and what we understand it to be and how it's kind of shown up in our lives. And yeah, I, I love it. Of course. <laughs> yeah. So I think really broadly, we could describe magic as the ability to create desired change. I mean, on a really basic level, we are all working magic all the time. Mm -hmm. um, when we decide that we want to do or experience something, and then we somehow we make that happen. Um, but I think also there are other forms of magic. I might call them unconscious forms of magic where it's still our energy and our intention, if you will, although it's not an intention we're conscious of, but we're, we're broadcasting that out to the universe and the universe is responding. Um, and that's another way you can think of magic is a conversation that you are having with the universe that is producing shifts of some kind. Um, and for me, the unconscious aspect of it is definitely something that really has uh, sparked my curiosity and fascination over the years, mm -hmm. um, which is, you know, why Jung's work, because he was so, just such a pioneer in that realm. It's, it's why it's had such a huge influence on my magical practice. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And you're, I love that you're saying that because it's so true and it resonates so clearly with me that mm -hmm. it's that co-creation with and the conversation with the universe. Yeah. I mean, that's powerful stuff because at the end of the day, not only are we the universe embodied, right? But we're having this yep. constant conversation, communication, and energy exchange with the universe. Um, yes. So aka in a very roundabout or circuitous way with self, right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. So yeah. Again, presenting the subconscious to me seems like a very easy sort of correlation to find there. Yeah, absolutely. I see uh, in, in some ways the unconscious as being the source of all magical energy and, and possibly even all energy, period. And then the conscious self is what shapes and forms that energy in the process that we might more commonly describe as magic, but both are vitally important. I mean, without the unconscious, we, we would have nothing to shape and to form and to work magic with. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I have this like very vivid image of clay, you know, Oh yeah, <laughs> working with clay and shaping it. And what you just said, for some reason, really brought that up for me where it's like, here it is. This is how it works. Yeah. It's an well, I'm, a, I'm a sculptor. So that oh my God, very up. much speaks to me. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense that I would say that. <laughs> Oh yeah, my so goodness. One of the things you said though, just this um this idea that we're we are divine, that we're having this conversation with the universe and the universe is responding. Um, 
one of the things that I love about that, and this was part of my uh, journey in magic, was learning how freaking powerful we really are. Mm-hmm. Um, I had spent so much of my life just feeling uh, like a victim of my circumstances. Um, it really brings to mind probably one of Jung's most famous quotes, but you know, until we make the unconscious conscious, it will direct our lives and we will call it fate. Mm -hmm. And I definitely, I mean, I was basically just like a puppet (laughs) of my unconscious for so long and, and just felt like life was happening to me and that I was not an active agent in co-creating that life. Yeah. And so many of us feel that way. And I love that you bring that up because taking it back to that original question of really what is magic, to Mm -hmm. me, that's what I think really connected to my soul most deeply when it came to magic and my practice and all of this was, or the idea and the idea of a witch, right? Was Mm -hmm. the fact that it is this beautifully tapped into power connection to self. It's this space where you can really go deep, go very introspective, very honest, very earnest, and Mm -hmm. tap into the most powerful, most pure, and truly most empowered parts of yourself. So that's kind of why also to me, there is no way that you can say the word witch without connecting it to women in many ways Ah. because we're so, there's that power there and also the fear you yeah. know, which is why the fear of the word, the fear of the, you know, the practice, the fear of the woman who is so powerful and so like awe inspiring <laughs> and so ferocious to, to behold, right? Yes, yes. I definitely resonate with that image. I've been rereading uh, Women Who Run With the Wolves oh. and oh, it's so good. <laughs> oh my God. One of my favorite books of all time. So good. Oh yeah. It's definitely reminding me of just the the richness in those depths that we are so quick to cast off and repress mm-hmm. um, in this, especially, I, I mean, I'm sure it has always been like this to some degree, but, you know, just the age that I am currently living in with social media and mm-hmm. just wanting to present this very polished image of ourselves and, and the mm-hmm. fear of, you know, being publicly shamed for something that doesn't fit in with that image, um, it's powerful stuff to work with this material that it just doesn't, doesn't get a lot of airtime these days. But it, you know, I think of it like a photo. It's like if you were to remove the shadows from a photo, oh my God, it would just look so flat and lifeless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I think we're exactly the same way. Like we, we need our shadow to give us that richness. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And remembering that it's just a part of the same whole, just a different side of the coin is what I usually say. And interesting because we have such a proclivity to vilify and demonize Mm. things that either scare us because we can see the true power within them Mm -hmm. and the truth of our own reflection within them as well. Um, Or simply because we choose not to go further and understand things from a different point of view or to give them space to exist as they are. They've, They've always, it's the egos very well intended, but unfortunately, uh, wrong way, not wrong, but like, unfortunately, consequenced way of trying to Mm. make our world safe for us, right? Yeah, God, yeah, I, that is, it speaks to one of the key practices that I do is just working on projections, um, 
just constantly recognizing places where I am projecting my own stuff onto the world. And it's like, oh, that's why I'm having this really extreme reaction to this person or the situation or what have you. Um, and learning to reclaim and find a way to love those parts within myself that, you know, the ego would rather just, oof, ugh, let's cast that off and be done with it and just see it in someone else and blame them for being horrible people instead. Mm -hmm. And it's such a challenging practice because sometimes it's, I, to me, what I've experienced in my own life is it starts with just very small glimmer of awareness of it, right? It's mm -hmm. like, oh, you yeah. can kind of tell that this is kind of <laughs> happening. Yeah. And then little by little, that becomes more and more obvious, even though, let's say, for example, like over, over a couple of years or over a couple of months, you've developed that muscle, so to speak, enough that you're like, after a confrontation or after a discussion or after something has triggered you and put you in that state and you're mm -hmm. kind of blaming or, or projecting, you can later, once it's passed, you're like, oh, okay, ego was doing this and this is kind of what <laughs> brought me there and this is the reaction. Because I've actually just experienced this recently. So I know. Oh, I'm, me too. Yeah. From, yeah. <laughs> I'm speaking from <laughs> self, right? And, uh, and that's the first little stages of really working in that practice. Hopefully, we can get to a point where as it's about to, or as it is, we're like, wait, yeah, <laughs> pause. <laughs> pause, pause, I'm totally projecting this on you right now. Um, let's, let's take a break. <laughs> yeah, I, yes, I love that we're talking about this and I would love to actually go through because for any people who are new to this or they're like, oh my God, this sounds so overwhelming. How do you even start? I would love to just talk about some ways to start grappling with these projections so that you can get to that point where, you know, more often than not, you're catching it before um, things are exploding in your face. Please, let's do it. Okay. So one of the things you said, just, um, you know, when you're triggered and you're in that place, for me, that's my, um, just the, the sign or the red flag that I look for. So like any time that I'm feeling emotionally triggered, and kind of uh, very similar to that, but this might help for some folks kind of cue awareness in a different way. Anytime that I'm either idealizing or villainizing someone, mm -hmm. um, that's, those are clues where it's like, okay, time to get really curious about what's going on here. Um, and then for me, one of the ways, again, this isn't something that you can always do in the moment unless you have a lot of practice or you're mm -hmm. not feeling super triggered, but I like to, you know, later go to my journal and I start describing in detail all of the qualities that I was ascribing to this other person. Right. Um, and just really specifically listing those out, like what are all the things that I'm associating with this person? Mm -hmm. Um, and then thinking about how do those qualities show up in me? Or if I even think about those qualities showing up in me, what kind of reaction does my ego have? Um, does it have, is it bringing up shame? Is there certain memories that it's triggering and just really going deep with that material? Wow. Mm. Uh, and one of the other things that comes to mind too is I, I just noticed this in myself uh, so much is it's helpful to think about. So this person that you are projecting things onto um, imagining if you could give them any advice of like what they should or shouldn't be doing in this situation, I like to write all of that out. Um, 
because often when I look at that advice that I think I'm giving to this other person, mm-hmm. it's really a good reflection of my own inner, what I call my own inner mandates and prohibitions. Mm. Um, and those things, I mean, man, they can just rule our life, especially when we aren't aware of what they are and they're just running in the background. Wow. Oh my gosh, Melissa, that's so powerful. And it's so true because I'm always saying when we are judging something and someone the harshest, it's usually because that's a point of shade within us that we haven't fully healed or addressed or sat with. Yeah, so true. So true. Yeah. um, I know for me, I mean, I, gosh, I have so many examples, but one that's coming to mind right now, this was, oh, it was about a few years ago. And I met someone and I just found them to be utterly fascinating and magnetic, which right there, that's a red flag. Not that, you know, this is a bad situation necessarily, but it's just like, okay, time to get really interested because Mm -hmm. clearly (laughs) there's some unconscious material that is trying to get my attention. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, in that process, I found that I was really wanting their attention and their approval. And when I felt like I wasn't getting it, I felt betrayed. It felt very um, childlike, Mm -hmm. uh, like a a little kid throwing a tantrum because I wasn't getting what I wanted. Mm -hmm. And as I started journaling on this and meditating on this, I found like listing out the qualities again that I was ascribing to this person. I found these two characters within myself. I personified them as, and they're very extreme, so the names might seem a little judgy, but this is how they emerged from my unconscious. There was the needy loser Mm -hmm. and cool cat. Mm -hmm. And so cool cat was just this part of me, and, and I could see even as a child, it's like, of course, as a child when my needs weren't met and just like the hopelessness and the terror of that feeling, it was this retreat to go into this cool cat mode of, you know, I'm totally self-sufficient. I don't need anything. And on the opposite extreme was the needy loser. You know, any, any expression of need was just like, Oh, everyone's just going to run away from you because no Mm -hmm. one wants to be around that needy energy. Mm -hmm. And just working with those two characters within myself, um, it was really powerful. I mean, on one hand I found, just some life skills that I hadn't yet developed. Um, Because in those situations where these things were triggered, again, these unconscious parts took over and those unconscious parts were trapped in the past. Um, They didn't have access to my adult self and the skills that I have now. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it wasn't surprising that in those interactions, you know, I wasn't dealing with things very skillfully. Um, but yeah, it just, it was very powerful to take the focus away from this person who I, you know, was perceiving as doing terrible things to me and betraying me and realizing, oh, wow, there are inner parts within myself that uh, by ignoring and rejecting them, I am betraying myself. And that's what really hurts here. And that's where the work really is, not in trying to change this other person. Correct. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's... That's all we can do, really. Those inner child conversations, those core wounding, like real healing work, which is, you know, we would love for it to be like so pleasant and joyful all the time, (laughs) but it's just not. And that's actually what makes it so great too, because it's nitty gritty and it's in your face and it's often very challenging and painful. So, but it's, it's worth so 
much. Like it holds so much value. So I really love that you're sharing that. Absolutely. But let's go a little bit deeper, Melissa, then with what you do and how we find this space, right? To create, to be the creators in terms of our, even our manifestations and our, if we think that we don't practice magic, right? (laughs) I will Mm -hmm. say this. I feel like person I spoke I speak to these days at least has some sort of vision board or one or two crystals so I promise you you're already (laughs) in it you just call it something else Um, but let's talk about how our creation in that space in that magical space is affected and how we can further improve it or how we can even sometimes take away its power through our unconscious Mm, yeah, that's a really juicy topic. Um, so I guess to start, I mean, the what we just talked about with projections, it might seem a little unrelated to magic, but that really is one of the core things that I do. And the reason being the way that it connects to magic for me is if you think about it, it's pretty incredible that you know, things within our own psyche, they're so powerful that they can create essentially a reality around us. Mm-hmm. Um, that, and, and not only for us, like we can convince other people that it's real too. And so it kind of begs the question of what is reality in mm-hmm. this case. Um, but we are already vastly powerful creators all the time. Um, so again, the projection piece of it for me is a process of owning. Wow. I do have a lot of power. And with that, you know, it comes responsibility too. I need to use this power wisely. Mm-hmm. Um, But in terms of kind of creating that space, I think the theme of all the practices that I do in that regard is how can I honor what is coming up from the unconscious instead of uh, maybe immediately reacting to and rejecting it? Um, And how can I actively seek out conversation with my unconscious? Uh, You know, a lot of people probably are using, you know, tarot cards or oracle cards or some other form of divination. And that's one really great way Mm -hmm. of, you know, opening up that conversation with your unconscious. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And if you you can, I would love for you to go a little bit deeper into that because absolutely you're right. And it's so, it's just too much of a juicy fruit for me to just let it stay there. (laughs) (laughs) Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. So tarot is definitely my um, personal favorite when it comes to divination, but what I'm about to say could equally apply to any form of divination you like. But one of the things that I find divination to be really helpful in is so, you know, we've got the mode of the ego that's very much about, you know, linear ways of thinking about things. Uh, Things have to be logical. They have to quote, make sense in order to be true and useful. Um, And that's just not true. I mean, that's definitely one aspect of life and it's very valuable, but you know, in the culture that we're living in now, the other part has been largely forgotten. Although, you know, that is definitely changing, but we need both, both halves Mm -hmm. um, in order to feel that richness. So these, you know, tarot cards and other divination tools, first of all, just the fact that you're using them, it's like sending a message to your unconscious that, Hey, I care about what you think and what you have to say. Mm -hmm. Um, And that in and of itself is hugely powerful because we can just get lost in the busyness of our lives and never pay attention to that stuff. Yeah. Um, And yeah. So even just, even if I've, you know, a lot of the clients I've worked with are like, Oh, I don't know what the cards mean or don't even worry about that. Just the fact that you're opening up that conversation is 
so powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also one of the things that divination tools can do is, so the unconscious, it is so vast, especially compared to the ego. It's staggeringly large. And so divination tools, they kind of help to, I don't know, give us a trailhead like a place to start in this territory that can seem really overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, if we use these tools like little breadcrumbs to just lead us from one little juicy bit to the next, that's really good stuff. Really, really good stuff. Mm-hmm. I think it's almost like grabbing a flashlight and, and stepping into the forest, right? And bringing yes. that light around and kind of showing, oh, look, yes. there's a little flower there. And look, there's this. <laughs> And and to and to clarify as well, I think sometimes we get lost in this idea or we get entranced by this Hollywood-esque idea of what it is to use these tools uh-huh. to bring creation into our lives as as only a means to tell us what our future is going to be like. And that is yeah. definitely not at all how they work, at least not what I've experienced in my own personal practices, is I've discovered that, like you said, it's this tool that we can use to connect and really see what's going on. What sometimes sometimes you do pick up stuff like, hey, little warning. Yeah. <laughs> this this may be in the horizon, just kind of prep, you know, and get, yeah. get some knowledge around this. But most often, I think is we can use it or we use these tools to discover more about self. And like I said, grab that little flashlight, go out into the forest, get deeper and be like, oh, that's kind of what's underneath there and not get so wrapped up in this idea that but I pulled, you know, the sword. <laughs> right. and that means I'm going to be backstabbed and betrayed, you know, and yes. go further with it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you brought that up. That was definitely um, when I had my in-person practice, I just did tons of readings. And that was a big thing of, for people, it was their first reading. There was fear of like, oh my God, what are the cards going to tell me? And is mm-hmm. it going to be terrible? And And yes, so none of these things are like cast in stone. And I I definitely don't see it that way. One, I do want to speak to one interesting thing about um, the cards and how they relate to predicting the future, because I think it also ties into the wholeness of ourself. Mm -hmm. Um, So if we think about archetypes, right? So there are these like primordial patterns um, just carved into the bedrock of certainly our psyches and possibly all of existence. Mm-hmm. Um, and with the cards, they don't only show. So if you think about, I don't, for people who aren't familiar with the tarot, there's something called the major arcana. And it's when you see tarot in the movies, those are usually the cards you're going to see like death yeah. and the hanged man, that kind of thing. Um, so not only are the archetypes, uh, these figures, Um, there are also archetypal patterns. And so if we think about fairy tales, that's what fairy tales are. So they they are depicting these archetypal sequences of events. Um, And one of the things that the cards or other divination tools can be really helpful in is showing us where in a sequence we might be Mm -hmm. so that that gives us clues of like, okay, here's some things that I might need to start looking at or exploring next in my journey. I remember reading this book by a Jungian, uh, Marie-Louise von France. It, I think it was called On Divination and Synchronicity, this little fascinating book. And she talks about how in her survey of tons of fairy tales, whenever the heroine uh, meets uh, helpful animals, um, if she decides to take their help, 
she will succeed in whatever her quest is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so again, like when we think about in our lives, we like to think of everything as being so unique. Like we're, you know, every event is like this little snowflake and on one level it is, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're having a conversation that no one has ever had before, but on another level, we're also playing out these larger archetypal patterns mm-hmm. uh, and divination tools can again, help us kind of get a glimpse at what those larger patterns are. And it won't give us like the fine granular details of exactly what's going to happen next. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you said, it can give us, it can give us some clues. It can give us a little heads up. Yeah. It's a little call to um, presence. I think it's a little bit of, yes. and I love that you're saying you're speaking to the journey itself because it does, it depicts this little journey of, you know, anywhere from the fool, which is the beginning stages of getting so excited and curious <laughs> and ready to take on the world and just take leaps of faith all the time. And just all of this optimism, right? Yeah. All the way up to the world card, at which point you've gone through many, many stages of realizing the truth of things and, and hopefully gained some wisdom that allows you to encompass more wholeness. So yeah, it's definitely um, an internal journey sort of presented in an externalized way, but in such a way that it's meant to take you back internal. You know, that sounded a little bit. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm following you. Because, yeah, because I'm always complaining, well, not complaining, but I'm always calling presence to the fact that we do tend to externalize our power a lot. And mm-hmm. to be clear, I think that sometimes we can make that mistake or, or make that transition when we work with either divination tools like you were talking about or just other aspects of magic, whether it's manifesting or using our crystals or, you know, taking moon baths or following the moon, whatever it is that we're working in terms of our creation in that sense. I think sometimes we can get a bit too caught up in the externalization of the power of things and we bypass Mm -hmm. completely what's going on underneath the surface. So remember, it's not as if the cards or the the crystals or your baths or, you know, your whatever, it's not as if any of those things are taking your power and then they become the power, right? It's not like at all. It's all about you from the beginning. So you sitting down to draw yourself a full moon bath is you putting your power back into self through the means of an external force, but it's always going to come back to you. You know, it doesn't, it's not, you're not giving your power away. The power isn't coming from something outside of you. It's you just moving in a different way. (laughs) Yeah. I love that you bring this up. Um, One of the ways that I sometimes think about it, whether we're talking about cards or a bath or crystals or what have you, it is, I mean, going back to this idea of magic as being a conversation you're having with the universe it's very similar to if you're having a conversation with another human being and maybe they say something that just sparks this idea for you that ends up being very transformative, but they didn't transform you. Like you in your power did that work, Um, but they may have served as a catalyst for something that you needed. And, and I see very similar, like with crystals and, and other tools. I mean, I am an animist, so I do, I think all of these things are sentient and they're allies in my magical Uh, path, but yeah, (laughs) they're definitely not giving me, um, giving me a power that wasn't in me already. (laughs) I very much agree with that. Yeah. And how curious, because I mean, think about it. I'm sitting here listening to both of us talk about these things. And on the one hand, it seems so frou-frou and woo-woo and esoteric (laughs) and like out there, right? So I totally get it. Listeners are like, oh my gosh, what? But (laughs) 
time, what we are calling to is our internal awareness of self and our, again, our stepping into full embracing and full fruition of our own internal power and knowing and using those things. I mean, really, how many people do you know who are going to talk to you about magic through like a Jungian perspective? <laughs> Not many. I'm, yeah, I keep searching and I know they're out there, but I would love to find more. <laughs> Well, I'm definitely glad that you're doing it because it's, it's like I said, I heard you talk about it and I was like, oh, whoa, this is on another level, man. This is something I can definitely talk about for hours. So yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, so I kind of alluded to this in the beginning of our talk, but I mean, one of the reasons why I was so drawn to this was you know, just what we're talking about now, this idea of just giving our power away. I did just feel so powerless for so long. And I know that one of the, I don't necessarily want to call it a danger because sometimes it, it maybe is just a phase that we need to go through before we recognize our power. But one of the potential challenges of coming to a magical practice is coming to it for the power. Mm -hmm. um, and specifically thinking that, you know, if we learn the right spells and use the right crystals and that we will now, we will be powerful. And and I think with that, we can, to a certain degree, kind of circumvent what we've been talking about here, like ever having to come into full presence to the self as a whole. Um, it's, you know, maybe we can call it spiritual bypassing or something, but we can yeah. definitely just kind of sidestep that work that these tools can really call us to do, but they can't do it for us. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's important in so many ways because, oh my gosh, and I, and I love that you use the word spiritual bypassing because <laughs> there's this work that a friend of mine, um, Jen Angela and I do that's specifically about boundary setting. And mm. we came up with this idea of five types, five types of boundary setters, like you kind of fit into one of them. But one of them that I created specifically thinking of myself was what I call the spiritual bypasser. And the reason why it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful type of boundary setting. It really is. But I think the, re, and the reason I bring it up, besides the fact that you kind of echoed those words, was the fact or is the fact that we absolutely sometimes can make that, that forgetful mm, energetic exchange of thinking that the more we highlight our tools, mm -hmm stronger we become when in truth is that we become stronger and then can use more tools in different ways, you know? Mm, so yeah. it's not, maybe it's good for us to remember, sure, it's cool to wake up and draw your Oracle deck and your tarot cards. I mean, shoot, I do it. I, I just had to do it recently because I, um, I, my little puppy who I had forever had to move on. So, and she always loved being in my room with me when I pulled cards and every now and then she'd pull for herself. Aww. And I know that sounds silly. And now people are like, okay, no. this has officially gone way too far. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I pro I don't know how to explain it other than that is the truth. Well, so mm. recently I went in there like the day that she moved on and I let her pick three cards and she picked the Aww. most beautiful, the most beautiful <sighs> cards. So the reason I'm, I'm bringing that up now is to say that, yeah, it's great to have those moments. It's great to have mm -hmm. those connections and to use the tools that are at our disposal to go further and to be able to understand more. But at the end of the day, it's, it's, again, it's not something that is, um, 
meant to supplant or to be in place of our own power. It's our power expressing itself in different ways and using tools in creative ways, you know, just new ways of of finding space and stuff. Yeah, definitely. Um, As we're talking about this, it's bringing up for me, um, you know, because I have definitely participated in spiritual bypassing in my own life. And God, I'm sure I'll do it again. You know, I'm human. (laughs) But uh, I know one of the things that in hindsight, when I look at a situation where I was really drawn to that, what was coming up for me was just that fear of my power. Um, Because, you know, as we've talked about already, there's responsibility with that. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes I, I don't believe that I am strong enough or capable enough to wield that responsibility. And I'd rather just, oh, I just want to hand it over to the crystals or the cards or the angels or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, it's, it's, I, I understand it's a tempting, it's a very tempting thing to do. Um, but I also, I know that when we come to this place where we realize that all of this is within us, mm-hmm. um, and, and I'm not, you know, I want to be clear here too. I'm not, because uh, one of the things that comes with blending magic and psychology is sometimes people think, oh, the psychology is going to ruin it. You know, everything oh, is just mm-hmm. a figment of my mind. Or, and I'm not <laughs> saying that. <laughs> but I, I am saying that we are relating to everything through the psyche. So, Absolutely. you know, it's hard to tell, like, where does the, if we want to take an angel, the real angel end and our psychic experience of it begin like that. I don't think for me personally, I don't know how to tell the difference between those two things very clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's for me, again, if I'm thinking about relationships with flesh and blood people, I am going to be most in my power. If I keep relating everything back to the self, not in a self-absorbed way, but in a self-centered way of like, okay, what, what does this mean for me? What is my work to do here? Um, and not handing it off to someone or something else. Mm -hmm. There's definitely a difference between self-awareness and self-presence and Mm self-absorption. And, and I have to say, I apologize. I know I I lost my train of thought there for a second because I was kind of, I do that sometimes, but specifically (laughs) this week, it's been happening a lot. I think what I was trying to say, the point that I was trying to make, but I got lost in the middle of, of (laughs) talking about my dog was that um, when we spiritually bypass ourselves, what we tend to do is overly depend on external mm. means yep. to try and find answers that that are internal all along. So like if you yeah. literally spend every single day, every hour of your day using these external tools to find answers, then you're missing the point that the answers are actually inside of you. I mean, you're more yeah. than welcome to explore and have these beautiful little moments that that magic does bring about and that that universe presents to us in so in such unique ways. But don't forget, at the end of the day, you are really the creator of everything. So it's about again, bring it back to self and remember, you don't need things as crutches. You know, you yeah. don't need things as shields or protectors or the things that are going to be in place of. You just use them as tools as necessary, always remembering, sort of to take it back to to you a little bit in a way, to uh as the 
the maker of the clay, right? The clay is there to serve mm-hmm. you, but you're the one ultimately shaping it and molding it. So it's the same thing yeah. in terms of us. So for those of us who, who are into spirituality and everything, don't forget, just because we are metaphysical doesn't mean that the answers to everything or that the thing that's in front of you is metaphysically related. <laughs> yeah, it's so, okay, this might be a little bit of a tangent and this is just kind of bubbling up for me right now. I don't know where it's going to lead, but uh, let's just see. Let's roll with um, it. Okay. So one of the things that I'm thinking of is that when I, so I'm thinking when I first started learning tarot, it was like, I wanted to do a reading on absolutely everything. And similar to what you described earlier, if I pulled a a quote, bad card, it was like, Oh no, like Mm -hmm. what, what am I going to do? Um, one of the things that I found started to get me out of that place was a more dynamic exchange between what I'll call the unconscious and the conscious. So when I say unconscious, I'm referring more to like the tarot and the messages from there and the conscious more of my day-to-day practical existence. And the more that I would take things that I would get from the cards or from my dreams and would start testing them out in practical life. Um, maybe testing is not quite the right word, but like, okay, what, what kind of action or shift do I think this is suggesting to me? I'm going to go try it out and see what kind of information I get in response. Like what is the universe, um, the conversation we're having, what's being returned to me when I do that? And then just keep going deeper with that instead of waiting for the cards to tell me the right, the one right thing to do. (laughs) and thinking that if I don't do that, I'm somehow screwing it all up. It's like, Mm -hmm. no, I think, again, it's that conversation. It's like, okay, you got a little bit of exchange here and I'll go back and do something with it on your end and just keep passing it back and forth and see where it takes you instead of being kind of paralyzed with, um, you know, what is the right answer to this? Mm -hmm. And, you know, the one right thing to do here. Yeah, which is funny because as you're saying that what's coming up for me a little bit is it's it's a funny cyclical way of the ego to still try to protect you, but showing uh-huh. up even in the moments where you're in your in your unconscious, right? You're you're in that space. And then your yeah. ego's like, but wait, I'm here. And so we can still make, we can still make boxes and lines out of this. We can still tell a good story out of this. <laughs> yes, totally. And it's like that whole idea of that there is some linear progression that our life is supposed to be following. Mm-hmm. Um, and that if we miss the steps, we're going to screw it. It's like, no, 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 no. I mean, I can see why that's a, a really compelling idea. I mean, on mm-hmm. one level, it might be really nice to just have it mapped out and know that if we somehow knew the secret, um, yeah. that we'd be able to get it all right. Um, yeah, but there's I just, something I, comfort to that for sure. <laughs> yeah, sure, totally. But, you know, unfortunately, I at least in my life, that does not at all seem to be the reality. Um, but again, the bringing it back to this idea of the richness, it's like with that more spiral nature mm-hmm. of reality, it's like we get to keep coming back and making passes to material, but from a totally different vantage point, hopefully, if we're, you know, going inward and coming at it from the self to where we keep seeing a more expanded, more expanded, more expanded version of who we really are Mm -hmm. until we, we finally start to get a glimpse at how freaking amazing we actually are. Um, Because we're just, we're divine. We're infinite. 
um, and we're temporarily inhabiting this world of matter. I mean, that's pretty trippy when you think mm -hmm. about it. <laughs> very, very. And I love that you said that we get to, because that is like yeah. one of the biggest, most, I think that's made a huge difference in my life, you know, understanding mm -hmm. that at times where I've got those places where I feel like I should or I must, immediately the energy feels very stagnated and mm. very like obstructed. But mm -hmm. when I inhabit the places of yes, and, and then mm -hmm. go further into it and go, okay, I get to, Ooh, there's yes. like that sense of excitement all of a sudden. I love that. Yeah. That, ah, oh, gosh. Yeah. We have a lot in common. That is a practice for me too. Like whenever I get to that place where I feel like I'm being forced to do something, it's like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Mm -hmm. I am choosing to do this. Like I get to do this. This is actually amazing. Even if it's something really challenging. I mean, one of, one of the things that gives me perspective on this and here we'll get really woo woo, but when I, you know, am meditating with my guides and asking them, what's it like, like in the realm where you are, what's it like? Mm -hmm. One of the things that they described to me, and this just really stuck out to me, it might seem really small to others, but this really stuck out to me was this idea that where they are, you think something and then it exists immediately. And that's the fullest that it can exist as this kind of uh, just an idea. And, and it's not less than the physical thing, but it's different. But here, you know, we think of something and then there's a process to mm -hmm. bring it into manifestation. And the way they described it is they missed on one level, just the satisfaction that comes from engaging in that process where, you know, the grass is always greener on the other, but like here it's like, Oh, you know, I don't want to go through this whole process. I just want to be able to think this wonderful reality and have it be here instantaneously. How interesting. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. I love that. I love it so much, Melissa. Wow. I know it really, I still is something that I just keep journaling on and it's just, it's so easy to get caught up in, you know, the fish, you can't see the water. It's, there's so many things about this physical existence um, that we take for granted or even just hate. It's like, oh God, if only this would go away. But those are the parts that we might really, really miss later. Yeah. And I mean, in a way, I think those are the parts that led our souls or collective soul, depending on how you see things and stuff, to choose this matter-filled experience anyway, and to have yeah. this playtime, so to speak, or to have this moment or this chance to explore and to discover and to create in this particular field where yes. it is very matter-based and it does require an energetic exchange in more than one way. You know, we can't just, maybe we can't just think donut and it shows up but <laughs> sadly <laughs> yeah now I'm kind of regretting that because I'm definitely <laughs> wanting one but we definitely can think in the energetic of creation and either make mm -hmm. it or go get it or something you know yeah. or someone I, or someone randomly brings us a donut oh my god yeah. I will have so hard if that happens <laughs> anyway. yeah I'm not saying no to that reality you know <laughs> me neither <laughs> So yeah, these are all the many ways in which we get to kind of play. And you know what? I'm going to take advantage of that. It's kind of like a, a long leap, but I'm going to make okay. it 
Let's do it. In terms of how we believe that we, when we do start finally understanding that we are the creators of our own reality, I think sometimes we tend to fall a little bit into some misconceptions or misgivings about the fact that, oh, well, I put it down in my dream board, so it's got to happen without without me putting mm. any kind of effort into it. That's number one, because we do have to put effort. Energetic exchange is an energetic exchange one way or another. And the yeah. other is, if I... I'm not mistaken, our unconscious also has something to say about it. So like if I wake up today and go, oh, I'm going to be a millionaire like within a year, but my unconscious doesn't fully believe it, it is still being obstructed, right? <laughs> yeah, I love the way you said it. Our unconscious might have something to say about that. Yeah, um, I agree. So one of the ways that I think about it, and this, this comes very much from Jung's work in that uh, he saw the unconscious as opposed to just being this repository for one stuff that we don't like and have repressed, but also just random chaotic stuff. Mm -hmm. um, he saw it as having a very special relationship with the ego or with consciousness in that it was always responding to the ego and compensating and trying to balance um, for any one-sidedness in consciousness. Um, and to what you're saying, you know, maybe I want to be a millionaire and the unconscious might have a different agenda. So I wouldn't say necessarily, okay, so let's say I want to be a millionaire. The, the unconscious is automatically going to be like, no, we have to be completely poor or something like that. <laughs> That's not how it works. But if in our conscious mind, we become so consumed with this idea of becoming a millionaire that we are starting to forget parts of our wholeness. Um, the e I definitely think in those cases, the unconscious is going to start letting us know like, whoa, hey, like things are getting really out of balance here. Um, and that can happen in the form, you know, we talked about projection earlier, where things just start happening in the world around us. And we don't realize that we are creating that from our own unconscious in order to find a place of balance again, because we've just taken it too far in one direction. Wow. Mm -hmm. And that's, I mean, that's something that I have experienced in my life time and time again, and specifically with money. Um, I mean, I, for a very long time, I had a certain threshold of income that I could never seem to get past no matter what I did. <laughs> um, and in working with material in my unconscious, I could see how, oh, okay, that makes sense because I was getting way too one-sided in my pursuit of something and my unconscious was bringing me back to this place of balance. Wow. Yeah. And that's incredibly powerful and it's it's difficult for us to grasp too because it's we want that fairy tale moment and I love fairy tales by the way I think that we can learn so much from them but what I mean is we want that maybe I should rephrase it maybe I'll say we want that Disney mm, yeah <laughs> we want that Disney moment of oh if I just cry hard enough you know my fairy godmother will show up and just give this to me yes and there's so much nuance to all of it. And at the end of the day, what I hear, though, is we still have the choice, the power, and the ability to keep creating according to what we have chosen to assign matter to. Mm, yes. Yeah, that, yes, I definitely agree with what you're saying. Um, 
there's something about this idea too of, you know, we can't just wish, 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 and something will happen. Um, it's interesting. I think to take that to the like way to the extreme is that we have to work really hard for everything. Um, mm. That's something that I definitely believed for a good chunk of my life. And I think that's where we can get into trouble just kind of in the opposite way where now we're not open to synchronicity and things happening in a way that isn't maybe as arduous as the ego <laughs> Have anticipated, mm-hmm. um, and it and it really is. It again, it just comes back to that conversation, that dialogue. It's, you know, the ego and the unconscious. They really need to work together so that we can find that state of flow where our magic is more consistently working, and and working. I would say in a way that consciously we recognize is like, yes, I want this. This seems beneficial to me, mm-hmm. because I think our magic is always working. Um, it just might be when it's when it seems like it's not it's probably because it's being more generated by the unconscious and we're not recognizing it as coming from ourselves and that's a good thing to remember yeah Hmm. oh my goodness yeah it's I'm just I'm trying to let that sink in on so many levels because Mm -hmm. like I said it's just (laughs) we don't tend to maybe there are things that we would like to either not know about and just continue to carry on, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> or or because we understand them so well, we like we like nope, we we try to turn around. But I love that you specifically said it puts you back in that state of flow because yeah. that's what it is. It's at the end of the day and I cannot stress this enough, and I probably say this way too much, but the truth is <laughs> is that everything in the universe is made up of light, vibration and um, energy. And that's us too, mm-hmm. which in, yep. in a constant state of flux, it's always moving. It's always flowing. There is nothing truly in nature itself that is linear, like straight linear. Nah. So it's that state of flow, that state of movement, that state of grace that kind of carries us through. And uh, it's fine too. If you're putting all of your energy and if you're trying to create this thing, right? Like, let's say you've been yeah this particular vision board for forever and you just are trying to make it happen well <laughs> so forceful intent doesn't work the way that we think it does lack of action doesn't work the way that we think it does and if your unconscious has something else to say about it guess what we may need to readdress things a little bit <laughs> yes totally yeah it's that conversation yeah i think you know i definitely have um just phases in my life or even just in a day where I'm like really focused and I want to accomplish this thing. Mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, to a certain extent, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that's just part of life. That's a really good function of the ego that it allows us to focus and kind of condense our energy and direct it at a purpose. Um, but there's definitely for me, at least that kind of tipping point where it's like, okay, maybe I've had a number of successes in this area. And I'm like, oh, I'm just going to keep taking this further and further and further. Like how big can this go? Um, And that's where I find things just suddenly, you know, air quotes start happening to like trip me up and like bring me back down to earth again. Um, and I think that's one of the ways that the unconscious works. And it, from the ego's perspective, and depending on how we're looking at it, from our perspective, we can think, oh, that is so frustrating. Like, why can't you just support me mm-hmm. in doing whatever the thing is that I'm doing? But, 
you know, I think of that story of Icarus, you know, flying too close oh. to the sun. <laughs> wow. You know, so funny we, that you said that. I was just watching that. Uh-huh. <laughs> no way. Yeah. Synchron- synchronicity. Synchronicity. Okay. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's like we, there is a, a zone like that middle ground where we are really seeded by the gifts of both the conscious and the unconscious selves. And that's where our magic is so incredibly powerful, especially in this world, this world of matter that we live in. I mean, that's our magic zone right there. Mm -hmm. And so whenever we veer too far in either direction, that's when we start noticing things in our life, again, that just seem to, for some reason, just keep not working. Um, But they're trying to bring us back into that zone where we're most powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And speaking of synchronicities, I think that that's maybe the other thing to remember is when we allow, which is a word that has been coming up for Mm. me so much. I mean, literally, I think this is like the fourth show I've done with that word. (laughs) So when we simply allow things show up, And I know that seems like I'm saying, don't do anything and it'll happen, but it's, I promise you, not the same thing. (laughs) It's just not the same (laughs) thing. There's a difference between just uh, putting no energetic exchange into and Mm -hmm. surrendering the things that we're trying to either force or run away from, you know? There's a difference between that and simply giving space for things to present themselves. And when they do, just as a quick example, I mean, you and I have been talking, you know, for a little bit now, and we've had two synchronicities already show up (laughs) out of nowhere. So that's the kind of magic. That's where the true magic, I think, sometimes really resounds for me is when things are flowing when all of a sudden you get that phone call and it's like, Hey, do you remember this? Let's, let's create this. Or did you know that this and this happened? And, and you're, and you're like, how, how, how did I just, I was just talking about doing this and now yeah. this person up in my life. And you know, I love it. Yes. Those, those are definitely some of the most powerful moments that remind me of how magical life really is. Um, and it's, it's just so good to have that reminder. You know, sometimes we can get into that place where we're just kind of plodding along and checking things off the to-do list. And it's like, oh, right, wait, everything is magical. This is really amazing. <laughs> mm-hmm. In that sense, and having the ability to be in that state of wonderment, you know, and observe. Yes. And appreciate the little things that do come through in those like sparkly moments of magic may not look exactly like we want them to. They may not be Instagrammable, but (laughs) they're definitely felt at a soul-based level. Yeah. And what you just said about they might not always be Instagrammable. I mean, going back to this idea of projection, um, I see projections as the universe reminding us that we are already whole. Um, So even in these situations that are, they can be so triggering, just infuriating, even in that gnarly stuff, the universe is lovingly reminding us, you're already whole, remember? Mm -hmm. And that, that is so magical to me. Oh my gosh. Melissa, that is beautiful. I have goosebumps (laughs) and I don't want to, but we're going to have to like... (laughs) stop oh I oh, I can't but yeah you know, I can't believe we've been talking this long already it's just the time has flown by I know I feel like we just got started and we still have so much to cover so I think definitely we're gonna have to bring you back for season two 
I would love it. (laughs) (laughs) In the meantime, just to wrap things up a little bit, let's do this. My favorite question to ask at the end of the show for everybody is what are some of your tips, or even if it's just one, for the listeners to apply in their lives to help them become empowered and uplifted? Mm, I love that. Such a great question. So I am going to go back to the projections because that has been truly, I, I cannot overstate how much this has changed my life. So the tip is whenever you find yourself feeling really triggered uh, in interactions with other people, really go through that process and look at what you're ascribing to that person and how is that existing in you? And can you come to a place where with practice, you're not doing this from a place of judgment and hate, but just amazement and wonderment at how vast you really are. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Beautiful. And then last but not least, certainly, is where can the listeners find you? Where can they connect with you? Yeah, so they can find me on Instagram at Real Magic Mystery School, and I post daily on all kinds of magical things. Um, they can also go to my website, it's realmagic.school. And that's a place where, especially if this work in projection spoke to you, you can get a free course uh, that will walk you through exactly how to do this in your day-to-day life. Beautiful. Oh, man, Melissa, well, thank you so, so much again for coming on the show. Really, it's been an honor. And um, I definitely hope to have you back for season two. Yeah, thank you so much. This was so much fun. Welcome back, beautiful listeners. What can I say? Clearly, I was not ready to end that conversation. I could have gone for several more hours, but of course, I'm aware that you may not have liked that. (laughs) However, if you have any questions at all about the topics that we covered today, or if you are looking forward to having Melissa back on the show as much as I am, then please feel free to email me at info at nourishingpaths.com. And yes, there is an S at the end of that paths. And just as a reminder, also, you can find me on Instagram, of course, at nourishing underscore paths. And if you are interested in working with me one-on-one, it would be my absolute pleasure. So feel free to reach out to me either at my email, again, that's info at nourishingpaths.com or visit my website, nourishingpaths.com. And I look forward to talking to you again next week. Don't forget, if you love the show and want other people to be able to enjoy this, (laughs) the best way that you can support the show right now is to leave us an uplifting review and five stars. And of course, subscribe and keep sharing with the people in your life. I look forward to talking to you again next week.